This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education, student support, and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis, and we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. Good morning, Kylie. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. I'm well for a Monday morning. Um, really excited to record this session with you today, and I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Lyndon. No worries at all, Kylie. Now, before we begin today, I want to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening in. Now, I'm really looking forward to jumping into this, Kylie. But first, I think our listeners deserve the right to know you and hear a bit about your background. So firstly, Dr. Kylie Austin, you have more than 15 years of experience in Australian higher ed, and we're so lucky to have you on our call today. Um, You're currently the Associate Director of Student Equity and Success at the University of Wollongong. During your time there, you've done many projects, but you've led institution-wide initiatives that have aimed to increase representation and participation of underrepresented cohorts at the university. In addition to that, you've also led uni-wide initiatives relating to academic support, peer mentoring, and co-curricular engagement. You're also currently the president for Equity Practitioners Higher Education Australasia, which provides sector-wide advocacy and professional development to student and staff equity practitioners. And your research interests are in partnerships and equity. And you have national research projects which have helped investigate the experiences of underrepresented cohorts with higher education. Wow. (laughs) So exciting, Kylie. I think there's never been a more applicable guest on our podcast for the where we are right now in terms of what the sector is going through. So um, I know that your bio covers a lot, but I do just want to give you a chance to tell us a bit more about yourself. And if there's anything that's missing, you wanted to fill in some gaps about where you fit into the student success or education space. I'll give you, give you some time now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Lyndon. I think um, one of the really important things about my background is that I was originally a school teacher. So someone who's really passionate about education um, and has a really good understanding and application of, of pedagogy, not just in the higher education sector, but in education more broadly as well. Um, and just um, truly passionate about um, you know equity and increasing access and making our higher education institutions an inclusive place where uh, all students feel like they can um, come and thrive and, and meet, meet their aspirations and their goals. So just really, really, really passionate about that space. Amazing. And Kylie, you're the whole reason this podcast exists. It's to celebrate champions like you that are out there making a true difference for the sector, for students, and putting them at the heart of everything that you do. So I absolutely love that. So teaching is kind of what's got you to where you are now. Is there any specific life experiences or anything that's really motivated you to stick in the space? Yeah, so I mean, I was um, I was first in family to go to university and, and came from um, a family that had, um, you know, generational um generational disadvantage in terms of being in um, housing commission and government housing and and things like that. And I've, you know, I've experienced firsthand um, and my mum came back, went back as a mature age student and and did her degree as well. And, um, you know, I've I've really experienced firsthand how education is so transformative and um, can really not only improve, you know, 
the outcomes of individuals, but, you know, future generations and, and things like that as well. So um, absolutely my own personal experience, you know, I bring to this role, but um, acknowledging that every, you know, a lot of different students have a lot of, um, you know, our, our higher education sector is so diverse, um, particularly in the last 10 years, um, that students bring such a rich, different knowledge, uh, different set of knowledges, experiences, cultures, skills, um, you know, learnings from their um, from their previous backgrounds. And um, I think that's what makes higher education such a unique and rich space is that we're all bringing just, um, you know, our own individual selves um, to this space as well. I could not agree more, Kylie. I absolutely love that story. And good on your mum. I love that. Oh, good yes, for her. I love her. She actually came first in her, in her class, which was crazy. Yeah, she got she got the big medal at the end of um, university. So, yeah, really super proud of her. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. You'll have to send her this recording and give her another shout-out because yeah. she deserves it. It's so good. Uh, Kylie, I love, I love that story, and I think almost all of the – all of the people we've had or guests we've had on the show have had very diverse backgrounds, but in some way, shape or form, there's been some really personal experience that has motivated them to not only enter the space, but then continue and be, you know, evolving and giving back. And I just, I really love to see that. Um, now, Kylie, switching gears a little bit, I'd love to hear a bit more about, and I know I'm, I might not pronounce it right, but tell us about AFIA or Equity Practitioners yeah. um, and what you do as president. And um, for those who are listening in, yeah, they'd love to hear a bit more about, yeah, what what AFIA does. Yeah, amazing. So um, AFIA, we've got over 800 members across uh, universities in both Australia and New Zealand. Um, and they're a group of like-minded practitioners who are all working in either staff or student-facing equity roles um, and are advocating for um, higher education institutions to be more accessible, more equitable and more diverse um, and, you know, really kind of supporting our students and staff to thrive in these environments. Um, so our role as EPR is really to support those staff who are supporting other staff or students. And so we, we undertake a range of different activity to support um, to support equity practitioners across the region. Uh, so we have um, a professional development arm of what we do, uh, which includes um, Australasian conferences, uh, professional development webinars um, and information sharing webinars uh, that we host across the sector. And we've just actually launched our um, early career uh, mentoring program for um, oh. early career equity practitioners to be matched with um, equity practitioners who have either who are more senior in their roles as well. Amazing. Um, yeah, which is great. We're really excited um, about that new program. Um, the other arm of what we do as well is really focused around advocacy. And so, uh, you know, advocating on behalf of the membership of 800 members to um, make policy to government to make policy changes or other organisations that can help, um, you know, make positive impacts in terms of participation in the higher education sector. And we also do um, a lot of work around, you know, recognition of equity practitioners. So in the next couple of weeks, we're about to launch our Champions of Change, actually, which we've been running for nice. the last few years, and um, they're peer-nominated awards to really recognise staff who've made a significant contribution that year to the, um, to the equity space in higher education. So good. And Kylie, I'm, I'm not sure if you would have known when you were coming on board as president a couple of years ago that the sector was going to be going through such a substantial kind of place of reform right now. I don't know. Was that was that on the cards when you took the role or 
No, I think I took on the, um, we delivered um, the national conference in Wollongong in 2019 in, in the November. And um, I took on the president role in that, in the November of that, that same year. And, um, and then COVID hit in, in the February. So my expect any expectation that I may have had about what, um, how FEA was going to support the sector um, was completely turned on its head at that point. Um, but I guess what I can say is, you know, for us it's such an exciting time um, in the higher education timeline and, and journey because um, I, we kind of really we were reflecting as a group of practitioners and, and you know, there's a lot of people who've, who've kind of come before us as well and um, we've been saying this is kind of like our Bradley moment again um, when the Bradley was review was released back in um, you know 2008 there were a lot of expectations amongst staff in higher education about how that was going to shape the future of um, of equity and of participation in higher ed and I certainly feel like we're getting another chance at that with the accord at the moment so it's, it's a very very exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. And I know because I've been keeping track across the submissions that you've you've been working on and collectively, I know that's a big process for you guys internally to get that created. Can you tell us a bit more around how AFIA gets involved with kind of the Accord, the Support Amendment Bill and in more recently with the Support for Students policy? What? How do you guys respond to that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the really important things for us as a member-based organisation is to ensure um, that we're reflecting the needs of our members across um, across Australia and, and um, in, in this case Australia but often in New Zealand as well. And so um, what we've done this year is we've run um, a range of kind of forums where we've had guest speakers come in, um, we've had roundtable collaborative discussions, um, you know, really teased out what our position is on a number of these key issues across, um, you know, across the higher education sector that are going to make a positive impact on staff and and as well as students as well. And so, um, you know, it's been a real process in terms of putting those submissions together because we wanted to make sure that um, our membership really, you know, had their views reflected in that, um, but that they were impactful as well um, and that, you know, they were going to make they were gonna they were gonna impact you know the decisions that will be that were being made by the accord panel. And so yeah, lot, lots of rounds of feedback and input and going back to our members and checking if we've got this right and a whole range of meetings. Um, but yeah, really pleased to say that we've submitted a whole range of um, a whole range of submissions this year around the accord, um, you know, particularly in that consultation phase and then the interim report and then subsequent submissions on the support for students policy and the Metro student hubs. And I think um, one of the really important things that maybe is a little bit invisible, we often share our submissions back to our, we, we always share our submissions back to members, but, you know, a lot of um, one-to-one conversations with the federal government to tease out some of, um, you know, some of the recommendations and things like that as well. So relationship building has been uh, really critically important um, for us, um, not just this year, but but as a key tenant of what EFIA does. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it sounds, I mean, it's a process, but I think, Kylie, the whole point and I think what we spoke about last time is that what we're looking for is many perspectives and as much collaboration as possible. From what I understand, the government's looking to get every single voice contributing to this so we can you know, forge a path that is equal for everyone and has had everyone's contribution into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think we're all a bit consulted out at the moment, but the, 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 the consultation papers keep coming. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've been checking the list, refreshing since kind of Friday when they, I guess they extended the deadline, which was nice um, to see a few more submissions pop in. I think many people were done there just, you know, holding back on pushing the button. So I know we got ours in on um, on Friday, still 5pm, I think. Yeah. Um, but But all good. I think, you know, what's really interesting about your position, Kylie, is that you sit on two sides of the fence, if you will, in that you actually play such a key role in working with the FIA, but you're also inside of a university and you've got your feet on the ground in terms of what it might look like to implement and work across some of these potential policies in this reform. So can you tell us a bit about how that looks and maybe from a challenge perspective, how how you found it, and then both from a, a positive and a plus side perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, um, I mean, this is kind of one of the areas that my PhD explored is that intersection between um, national policy decisions, institutional policies, and then individual values of, of people who are on the ground delivering this type of work. And um, those three things don't always align. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence around that. Um, and so it's a really interesting space um, to navigate, um, absolutely. And I think it's really important to be really clear around when you're wearing what hat, um, when, when we're kind of contributing in the space spaces that we are at the moment. Um, I think one of the things that I reflect on in terms of my institution is that we're, you know, we're, we're really, really lucky at the moment in the sense that we've got fantastic leadership who are committed to the equity, diversity, inclusion agenda. So where um, potentially there's some colleagues in other spaces that are finding those conversations a bit more challenging. My personal experience of where I'm at at the moment um, has been, you know, a lot of our conversations over the last few years have been really centred on that space. So it's been really exciting um, at an institutional level to have a leadership team that values equity and increasing participation of underrepresented students in higher education. So I think that's really exciting. Um, but absolutely, when particularly when you're looking at like things like the support for students policy, um, you know, we are seeing, you know, policy at a national level can be um, interpreted by institutions in so many different ways. And sometimes that interpretation can leave individuals who are at the coalface, first of all, um, quite maybe sometimes despondent because the institution hasn't maybe realised the national policy in the in the way that it was, um, you know, intended. intended. Um, so I think it, it, it does absolutely make for a tricky space. Um, look, I think um, in terms of the, um, the the support for students policy um, from an EFIA lens, I think, you know, we were really excited to be able to see um, student completions um, and supporting students to progress through and complete their degree on the agenda and for the government to make a really, really strong statement to universities that this has got to be something that... Um, you know, it's not just about success is not about access to university success is actually about social mobility and what a university degree can can achieve and so that completion part I think you know we're really really pleased to see that um, how that then translates into institutional practice in terms of how um, when we're at the coalface we have to report back on that um, and the measures and things like that that we need to implement look I think we're in a bit of an unknown at the moment but I think um, there seems to be holistic support across the sector that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that the concept of focusing on completion um, is absolutely the right direction that we should be heading in. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing among the submissions that I've read, you know, I've seen 
kind of a consistent theme in that everyone's overwhelmingly um, positive towards the, you know, the removal of the 50% pass rate and, you know, some of the other um, themes that have come out across the accord and the support amendment bill. I think the concern lies in, in some institutions that maybe aren't as lucky as having someone who's so close and have their finger on the pulse of equity as you do is how do we, where potentially in the last couple of years, focus has shifted towards other university-wide, you know, priority projects to now laser it back in on the student experience and looking down at really mapping all of that out. So, Kylie, would you have any kind of advice or or tips for someone that's in in your role in an adjacent university that's kind of going, how do I make the most of this if maybe my institution hasn't interpreted the you know the information the way that potentially you or or others have? Yeah, look, I I think one of the great things about the I think one of the great things that people in roles like mine, um, you know, can can really leverage this support for students policy off um, and the, the greater focus on students is, is the compliance that is going to be required around this policy. So, um, you know, the teeth that the, the really the teeth that the government are articulating in this policy, um, you know, will have substantial impacts for institutions if, if they don't follow the policy. And I think that's really the first the first time that we've seen, um, you know, that, that that kind of detail around the implications for institutions if it's if it's not implemented, um, and so I think it's always balancing the carrots with the sticks, um, you know. So, and I think you know, telling that story in that way, I think is really important um, for people in my role um, across institutions, particularly because, you know, we, you know. As universities, we need to be compliant. Um, you know, we we don't want to we don't want to receive fines and, and things like that. Um, and you know, there's there's absolutely that compliance piece. Um, but I think the compliance shouldn't always drive practice either, uh, because um, you know it can have unintended consequences. Um, and if you particularly look at, um, you know, there could be some unintended consequences around you know universities not admitting students um, from various equity backgrounds out of fear that, you know, that they may may need more support. Um, yes. You know, there could also be uh, unintended consequences around um, potentially passing more students and think practices around passing more pressure to pass students and things like that, But and they may not be ready for employment and, and what's after university as well. So I think we've got to be really careful that the compliance piece doesn't drive practice and that our practices in this space should be really student-centred. And, um, you know, the, the intent of the policy here is really around, you know, supporting students to progress with their studies, so we need to make sure that we're we're taking a really student centred um, and um, approach to that, and working with students in partnership to ensure that we're getting the best outcomes with them um, together. So I think that's probably one of one of the tips that I, I would say is um, you know you can you can use the stick as as in terms of getting it on the agenda, but at the same time yeah. you've got to be careful that the stick doesn't um, drive practice. Um, but uh, the other thing I would say as well is looking at looking at the detail in the support for students policy. Um, you know this can't be achieved by one single unit in a university. This has got to be a whole of institution approach. So the student support areas working with faculty staff working with um, 
you know, you're going to have IT and data teams involved in this, um, you know, compliance teams in terms of getting the policy. I think for any one team to take carriage of this and think that they can, you know, meet the obligations of the policy uh, without taking that whole of institution approach, I think is really risky. Um, yeah. yeah, so they would probably be my two top tips. Yeah, and great tips, Kylie, because I think that's what we're seeing is we, you know, you and I of, of the world are have that moral code that really, you know, a lot, compass aligns north to what the message is and what needs to be achieved. But in terms of pushing that across as an agenda within the, the big list of priorities within universities to tackle, um, it is going to take the collaboration and kind of that more um, risk-focused approach that a compliance team might take towards solving this. So I think it is a it is definitely a group-based initiative. It needs all minds contributing to it in, in order to solve for it in, in the best outcome for everyone. Absolutely. And now, Kylie, I know we're doing we're doing well for time, but I do um, just kind of in kind of wrapping things up. I do think it's important um, to give you a chance if there's anything else that you wanted to say to the sector right now or um, words of encouragement, um, just give you um, a bit of free to air to do that. And then um, I've got one more question for you before we head off. Yeah, sounds good. I think like I think probably the thing is that, you know, we're all having these conversations in our universities at the moment and we're all trying to maybe tackle the same problem or the same challenge in different ways. And I think, um, you know, there's a community of practice across Australian higher education um, that you know there's expertise within the universities and across universities and I think we should all this is a this um, support for students policy is a really good opportunity for collaboration across institutions and, and looking at how we can tackle this together. Amazing. And I think looking outward, as much as we need to look inward and we need to look at our policies and our processes and our systems and our people it's important to look outward and acknowledge that everyone is going through this together. And yes, there's varying degrees and something we talk about in our submission is kind of like, a, you know, the proportion and the needs-based approach that maybe the government needs to laser in on this for. We could go on probably for hours, mm-hmm. Kylie, um, talking about all the points in, um, in the Support for Students guidelines. Um, one thing I didn't mention is if for some reason you have had your head in the sand, for, someone has had their head in the sand for the last six months and has missed all of this, uh, any of these things we spoke about today can be found on the government's website and there's tons of really valuable content that's out there. Vigo just recently released our technology and compliance paper, which is a best practice model where we're um, helping institutions to kind of reduce the, I suppose, um, yeah, the impact of trying to bring together two teams that maybe traditionally haven't worked together and try and speak one another's language so that the agenda, which is all for, you know, what the government's proposing, gets moved forward swiftly. So check that out. Um, but lastly, Kylie, something I love to finish up our recording sessions with and bringing it back to what this is all about. And it's celebrating the people in the in the sector and in the industry that empower us and do great things. Um, I'd love for you to tell us who someone is that you look up to and who's a champion for Kylie and, um, and why. Oh, look, I think I've been, I was really fortunate during my PhD to have Professor Sarah O'Shea as my PhD supervisor and who's so, you know, she's, um, you know, an expert in first in family and the equity space and, and been a really um, huge champion for student equity um, across the higher education sector for such a long time. So she would absolutely be my person. <laughs> Amazing. She sounds wonderful. I'm going to have to look her up. Um, Again, share her the podcast recording because she's got a shout out. We love that. Um, But Kylie, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. I always love speaking with you. And I think maybe once 
once we get some more updates and we get more information, we can probably do this again and have a whole nother breadth of things to talk about. So um, again, thank you so much for your time today. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lyndon.